Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Dennis Vardy called Heaven on Earth, and it speaks about how over and over again throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus introduces parables with these words, the kingdom of heaven is like. So what does the expression kingdom of heaven mean? How is it relevant to our lives today? And what do the parables tell us about living a life relevant to the kingdom of heaven? Find out and enjoy today's message. In a moment, we're going to get into the scripture for today in Matthew 20. So if you have a Bible uh, or your phone, you can grab U version. go to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to start there in a minute. But uh, this whole series is uh, we're walking through the many different times in Matthew where Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And when Jesus says these things, he's not saying, when you die and go to heaven, this is what it's gonna be like. I mean, it's some foreshadowing of that. But what he's really saying is, you can experience the kingdom of heaven while you're here on earth, and this is what it's like. When he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. So we can experience heaven on earth, but we don't always feel that way, do we? Bible talks about the fact that there's grace for us, and grace is a funny thing. It's, uh, it's confusing for many people. It's like sometimes we hear the word grace and we think, great, I'm a Christian. I can do whatever I want because Jesus died on the cross, right? It's like, it, it just doesn't matter. I'm going to become a Christian bank robber, <laughs> and it's all good. Jesus died on the cross. Let's go rob some banks. I don't think people rob banks anymore, do they? They like hack into Bitcoin or something now. Um, So I'm going to become a Bitcoin hacker because grace is just there. Uh, There's the other side of it where people, um, they almost don't even want to acknowledge that grace exists. And they say, like, this is what the Old Testament says. This is how the Bible says I'm going to live. So on Sunday afternoons in this family, we kill lambs and we pour the blood out to pay for our sins. And that's just how it's going to be. Um, I hope you don't know anybody who does that on their weekend. Um, but uh, the grace of God is, it's interesting. It involves the forgiveness of sin, but it's more like an unfair advantage that we get. It's almost like growing up, um, growing up, I had three brothers and we loved video games. Well, they did. I hated video games because they were always so much better than me at video games. Did anybody grow up in a family that played video games growing up? Okay. And so uh, one thing I couldn't stand was they would always know these different cheat codes to make their character do something that I couldn't figure out. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, come on, talk to me this morning. That, uh, like, so I would be playing and I was always the worst one. And I'd be like, how'd they make their character do that? They had a cheat code. That's kind of what grace is like. And the grace of God is happening all around us all the time. But we're often so familiar with the grace of God that we don't even see it at work in our lives. We don't even notice it happening anymore because we're so familiar with God's grace working in our lives. I'm gonna read Matthew chapter 21 to 16 this morning. I'm gonna read from the New International Version. Um, so if you have a Bible, if you got U Version, now's the time. The reason I ask to, for you to bring it out is it helps really just seal the word in your heart. Helps really kind of get in there what God is trying to say through this passage as opposed to just hearing me preach it. So, um, or read it. Okay, Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius 
for the day and sent them into his vineyard. And about nine in the morning, he went out and he saw the others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went, they worked as well. And they went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. And about five in the afternoon, he went and he found uh, still others standing around and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? This reminds me of us doing chores as kids. This is what my parents would ask me. All your brothers are working. Why are you standing there doing nothing? And these guys said, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came. Uh, they received a denarius. So when those who were hired first came, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you made them equal to us who've bore the burden of the work and the heat of the day? But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair with you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I will give the one who hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This verse is very frustrating to me. Um, if it's just about salvation, great. Like if you're a Christian your whole life, like if you're a Christian 60 years or 60 seconds before you die, you're still going to heaven, great. I get that, I'm happy with that. But it frustrates me because if it's about blessings, I don't want the people who barely do anything to be as blessed as much as I am. If I'm doing all the work, why are, how is that fair? The answer is, it's not. And when Jesus told this parable, there would have been no social program in place to make sure that people all had food for their families to eat. In other words, the, the culture, the situation at the time was, if you don't work, you don't eat. And the landowner, he chose to bless all these people to make sure that all of these people were taken care of. Jesus paints this picture that the landowner was so willing to bless people that he blessed everybody the same. Because Jesus knows how much God wants to take care of us. What Jesus was trying to communicate with this story is that God's grace is not limited by our idea of fairness. All of us are treated with unreasonable generosity. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. We get what we don't deserve. This is heaven on earth. It's a wonderful picture of God's grace in our lives. God gives us what we don't deserve. But we don't always see that. We don't always see that, do we? This morning, I wanna give you four ways that the grace of God is working in your life. Four ways to see that the grace of God is working in your life. Number one, 
live a life that God can bless. It says that the, the workers were um, bearing the burden of the work. I find that so often I'm wandering around in the marketplace going, why isn't God blessing me? But God was blessing, the, the landowner was blessing those who were in the vineyard doing the work. Are you hearing me this morning? That oftentimes we can be out in the marketplace wandering around, kind of ignoring God's plan for our life and off just kind of figuring things out on our own when the landowner says, come in, I wanna bless you. The Christian life is the process of your natural self being changed into a Christ self. Meaning there is work that we are to do in us, not wander around in our natural selves and do whatever comes natural to us. And it's actually that we need our point of view on life changed, that we really need to die to ourselves and, and, and leave that person in the marketplace and saying, I'm going to do this work because God will bless me when I'm in the vineyard. Get yourself into a vineyard. I would say it this way, that God doesn't bless spectators. My, uh, my amazing, sweet grandpa was here a couple years ago. And every summer and every fall, um, we have this really, the, the hardest time that we work together as a family is when we put these two big, heavy boat lifts into uh, the lake that we go to. And so they're these big, they're these weird, it's hard to explain. They're these four pillar boat lifts. They're heavy, they're awkward, it's awful. The Lord tests our faith and we barely love each other at the end of the day. Um, and so my brothers and my dad will go down and, and we'll push these things in. And my, my sweet 80-something-year-old grandpa, great guy, is there that day. And we're, it's the fall time, so we're pushing them up and out of the water. And when we get them up out of the water, we have to push them up this bank. And they have these, these feet on the bottom of them. And the feet get stuck into the ground. And, and it is so hard on our bodies. In fact, it's probably the hardest I work all year. And, and we push these things up this thing. And it always gets stuck in the ground. And it's, it's hard to move. And we're all working together. And it's just a test of our faith. And a couple years ago, my grandpa was there. And the whole time, he's 80-something years old. He's not getting involved. Instead, he's spectating. And he's going, do it this way. Do it that, come on, you guys. How hard is it? Move it up this thing. And you know, this is guys, you know, they always know, the, the older generation always knows how to do it better. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Um, uh, but uh, so, many of, so many of us are like my sweet grandpa that day. Like God's trying to do some work. There's some heavy lifting to do in this world. That there's some heavy lifting for the church to do. There's some tough times to process. And so many of us are sitting there going, do it this way, do it that way. And God can't bless that. He blesses the people doing the work. That's why Jesus uses work as an example in this parable. We got a lot of work to do. The master could have just worked on his own. Instead, he invited people into what he's doing. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I would say, remember that scripture when you go to work tomorrow. Not because of your paycheck. That's not the harvest. You're like, yeah, pastor told me I'm coming in and getting my harvest today. No, no, the harvest is sitting around you at work. The harvest is the people who you're, who you're you know, interacting with at work. That's the harvest there. You just gotta decide, are you gonna be a worker or not? Man, God's grace is all over workers. God's grace is all over people who get in and say, I'm willing to do the work. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Man, this was my, absolutely changed my life when I was still, when I wasn't working full-time in the ministry. I, w- I would go to my, my job and, and I, I would just get in there and, and I, I could just feel it. It's like, okay, God, there is some kind of mission you have for me here today. The harvest is all around me. Am I gonna be a worker or not? Last week, we talked through Mark chapter three. And uh, it talks about when Jesus was calling the disciples to him. And he, he, last week we covered that Jesus loved those disciples. So he called to them to him because he wanted them. But it also says that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. That there's work for us to do, that, he, that Jesus is sending us on a mission. So I don't suggest that tomorrow you go into work like a tele-evangelist and start casting out demons in people and putting your hands on people. Yes, I'm going to do this. The harvest is plentiful. That's not my suggestion. My suggestion is that you go into work tomorrow knowing that the Holy Spirit is with you so no demon can enter your workplace. That when you bring the Holy Spirit with you, just who you are, that you walk into that workplace, you know that the favor of God is on that workplace because you are there. And that when you walk into that office or when you walk into that store or when you walk into whatever it is that you go into at work, know that the harvest is there for you and you're the worker. God's saying, are you gonna go in and do what I have for you? Hey, when it talks about preaching, it doesn't mean you have to build a stage at work. All right, lunchtime, I'm gonna put up a stage and people are gonna come in. I'm gonna preach to people. I'm gonna do an altar call, play the keyboard on my phone. Like, we don't have to do that. Your life is what preaches. Your integrity is what preaches. Your marriage is what preaches. How you talk about the leadership at your work is what preaches. That's where you can go in and preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit with you will not allow any demons in that workplace. Oh, that's a good golf clap. Thank you. I don't get that from my golfing, so at least I'll get it from me. And we're not clapping for me. We're not clapping for me. We're clapping for God. What's, what's the mission that God's placed you on? See, who you are comes out in what you do. So what are you doing? Look at the actions of your life. Not, not because of a legalistic thing that the grace of God is, you know, on or off of you because of your actions. It's just who you are on the inside. The grace of God will help you through that. And who you are comes out in what you do. So who did God create you to be? There's a grace in who God made you to be. And there's beauty in doing the work of the master. You know, you never know how much you believe in anything until its truth or its falsehood becomes a matter of life or death to you. We take our, our, so often we take our faith for granted that it's just, it's great to have community at church and it's great to just have people around you that you love. It's great to have a church that you love. It's great to have a God that you can turn to when you need stuff and, and when you're hurting sometimes. But when it becomes a matter of life or death is where it really starts to become real. I'll say, I, I see people take uh, their faith for granted until uh, their children begin to walk away from God. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is real. This has become a matter of life or death. Some of the most faith-filled people I know are the people who are surrounded by family and friends who are far from God. It's a matter of life or death for them. So get yourself in the vineyard. It's so much easier to see the, the grace of God at work in your life when you do that. But what happens when we're working? What happens when we're working is sometimes our, our head gets up and we start looking at those who are doing the work of God around us. So we got to shut down any comparison that gets in our heart. 
Shut it down. Look at these workers. Are you envious because I'm generous? That's what the landowner says. Uh, I love Eugene Peterson's version in the Message Bible. He says, are you gonna get stingy because I'm generous? Like, are you gonna be like, because uh, God's blessing other people? Romans 12 says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, use them. If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one uh, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know what kills the grace of God in people's lives? Comparison. You know what blinds you to how God is working in your life? Comparison. Let me say it this way. You know when I hate my car the most? I, I love it most of the time. It's great. It gets me to and from work. It's good on gas. It's fine. But I hate my car the most when the guy who parks beside me at work pulls in with his big old Solera convertible. <sighs> big old Toyota Solera, top-down, leather seats. Oh, and I look over going, God, what did he do to deserve that? <laughs> we do that for the call of God on our lives. God could, be doing, God could be in the middle of doing something spectacular in your life, but we totally miss out on it because we're so fixed on what is God doing in other people's lives. Comparison will steal your joy. And comparison will not allow you to see God's grace working in your life because you'll be expecting God to work another person's plan in your life. Basically saying to God, your plan isn't good enough. I want theirs. What's the text say? Having gifts that differ according to the grace that was given to us. This is why we don't experience heaven on earth because our eyes are not on what is God doing in me. They're all on what is God done for them. I read this study this week that our brains actually reward us based on how much better we are doing than other people around us. So comparison creeps in so easily. You know, you can be dropping your kids off at school and just the comparison starts, right? Oh, these, these kids are better behaved than me. This mom's doing a better job than me, you know, whatever, or, or vice versa. I, I started dropping my kid off at preschool, so I know this life now. All these moms pull in, and I'm like, huh, I'm so much better than all these moms. Look at my kid. And no, I, I don't actually do that. It's more like, oh my gosh, how do these moms have their kids under control? And mine's freaking out and doesn't want to go inside and won't take his shoes off. And uh, Anyways, but it's, Comparison will, will, will kill what God's trying to do in your life. I'll say it this way. People often tell me that I'm tall. They'll say, they'll, they'll meet me in Starbucks and say, oh, I know you, you're from Celebration Church. You're a lot taller than I expected. <laughs> and uh, the people only tell me that I'm tall just because I'm taller than they are. My, my brother is six inches taller than me. He has never told me that I'm tall once in my life. It's just comparison. Like, I, I'm only tall compared to you. And, and, and you, you, people just, they, they get this in their heart. You put me on an NBA court, you won't call me tall anymore. You say, why is that shrimp running around there and why is he running so slow? <laughs> this might seem like a silly example to you, but it just, it happens so often in our lives. We gotta shut down this this thought process that says, look at how much more blank they are than me. And keep your eyes on the grace 
that you've been given and on the path that God has set you to run. God is free to do whatever he wants with his grace. And the happiest people I know are so grateful for the grace of God in their lives. To the people who showed up to work early in the morning would have been happy with their pay if they didn't know how much the other people were paid. Right, because they agreed to work for that. In, in the Matthew 20 there, they agreed to come and work in the vineyard for the denarius. In comparison is, is one of the largest obstacles that I would say we face in the West. It's interesting and it's, oh, it's pretty humbling that one of our main issues isn't do we have a roof over our heads, it's how much nicer is my roof over my head than my neighbor's roof over my head. Or my friends on Instagram when they post their new house. This is why we don't experience heaven on earth. We're constantly evaluating our lives based on what's happening around us. That's not heaven on earth. That's not living in the grace of God. I, I find for myself, I'm constantly having to check my heart and not put myself in the place of the workers who showed up first. Because when we compare, we're telling God, your plans for me, they're not good enough. We're trying to make the wrong plan work in our life. God gave you grace to be who you are. So focus on who you were made to be because comparison so often is the first step. And the next step is what? Complaining. You wanna see God's grace work in your life? You wanna look through at your life through the lens of grace? Keep an eye on your attitude. It says that they began to grumble against the landowner. Imagine the excitement these workers would have had at the start of the day. Oh, I get to work today. I get to feed my family. I get to buy my son the new Jordan sandals that just came out, like whatever. The Yeezy slides. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to feed my kids. But by the end of the day, they were complaining about what they used to think was generous. After a while, we, we can become entitled to God's grace on our lives. Just kind of become familiar with how incredible it is to live in this country, to be alive during these times, to have the family that we have. I'll just say this. I've said, I think I said this before. Everybody, you think your family's weird? Everybody's family's weird. <laughs> everybody's, I try to teach my son that. Everybody is flipping weird, okay? <laughs> Some people are just better at hiding it than others. <laughs> what I find is that when we get our attitude off, we step out of the grace of God and we become blind to all he's doing for us, just like these servants. And I get an attitude that God's not doing enough for me. So don't just keep an eye on your attitude, but keep an ear on your mouth. You ever just say, you ever say, did I just say that? Like, has that ever happened? That, I hear some laughs in the back, some weirdos in the back. Thank God for you. Um, everybody's weird. Um, but don't just, don't just keep a, an eye on your attitude. Keep an ear on your mouth. Did I just say that? Why? Because this stuff starts in our hearts. It starts deep down in our hearts. It slowly works its way up. And then I'm not sure about biology and stuff, but somehow it comes out of your mouth. Hebrews chapter 12, 15 says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, 
that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. By it, many will become defiled. When someone misses out on the grace of God, it's like a bitter root to the people around us. Our unfaithfulness to God just starts to affect people around us. And as we become uh, that bitter root, we have a negative impact on the people around us. And this attitude steps us out of the grace of God and it steps us out of heaven on earth. I live in a fairly old neighborhood and what's happening right now in everybody's houses around me is there's, we have these big, beautiful, wonderful trees in our neighborhood. They're awesome. They go right over the road and you take like 30 hours to clean up your leaves this time of year. And it's, <laughs> but they're beautiful trees. But what's happening with those trees is that their roots are going down and all of our plumbing systems in our home, in front of our homes, uh, the roots are going into them and they're blocking all of the nasty stuff that's trying to get out of our house. You know what I'm talking about? All the, all the post Taco Bell stuff that's trying to get, that's trying to come out of our homes. Just trying to make sure you're paying attention. Where these roots are going down and they're blocking that nastiness. They're getting in the way of it, trying to get out. And then it's coming back up and into the homes. And so what's happening is we, we have to go down. We have to m remove the roots and fix the plumbing. And so often that's what's happening in us. We don't see it. We, we just feel like we're this big, nice tree. But sometimes the, the roots are getting into the plumbing. And that nastiness that God's trying to deal with and get out is being blocked by a root of bitterness, just like it says in Romans. When we step out of the grace of God, we feel like we're owed something. And entitlement leaves us feeling ungrateful for things that we once prayed for. We become resentful and we think that our blessing is all because of our efforts. I worked so hard for this. We don't recognize that the grace of God is on us. Just like these workers, they began to see what they received as a product of their efforts, not of the landowner's generosity. The workers were, why were they angry? They felt it was unfair. But grace is not about being fair. They were resentful because they wanted the others to look like them, to serve like they had, to contribute like they had, to sacrifice like they had, to have the same standards. They wanted everybody to act like them, but that's not God's plan. Grace recognizes that we can all be at a different place in our walk with God, yet equally rewarded with his love and his acceptance. And I'm not saying we have to be fake and walk around like everything's fine all the time. <laughs> the grace of God's working in my life. Really, everything's falling apart. We all have reasons to grieve, and we all go through pain. Grief is a, is a lifelong process. And heaven on earth is when you can go through pain and still see the goodness of God through. St still see that, man, God is still there. God is still has favor on your life, even though you're walking through a tough time, that God's hand is on cer certain situations, that God is blessing you, even when you don't even see that he's bl blessing you. And what I've noticed is that sometimes I'll be begging God to show up, almost in an entitlement way, and he's silent. But then I take a step of faith and praise him in my, pr in my pain, and he is so present. You, sometimes you just gotta stir it up. 
Stir up that gratefulness and you'll start to see where the grace of God is operating in your life. And when you start to look through the lens of grace, you'll really wanna share what's happening. So look for an opportunity to give grace away. If you wanna see the, the grace of God working in your life, look for an opportunity to give it away. Not just to receive it, but to give it away. Why? Just like the last line in Matthew chapter 20. So the last will be first and the first will be last. Why was the landowner looking for workers an hour before they shut down? It makes no sense because he was looking for opportunities to bless more people. That's what heaven on earth is like. We don't need to wait until we're sort of like, okay, my life is good enough. I can now invite people into it. You know, it's, that's the beauty of the grace of God is that wherever you're at in your walk, just invite people in. Jesus told us to preach the gospel. That's what he told the disciples. And you can do that by your life. I tell you, the grace of God is on your marriage. The grace of God is on your kids. The grace of God is on your work and whatever, like the grace of God is on you. Invite people into that. Look for opportunities like Jesus said to, to, to bless people. And God gives us grace through people as well because people don't see what you see. Sometimes you need a second set of eyes to see the grace of God on your life. I would say this, um, Maybe we need to learn from the great philosopher, Nacho Libre. When he said, my life's good. My life's real good. He's a great, he's a great philosopher. I just, <laughs> we, I just think that, that that's how we got to go into life. Think Nacho Libre. Where are the chips? Like, you got to watch that movie this afternoon and know my life's good. My life's real good. I'll, I'll give you one last example this morning. Um, that uh, it, it's interesting. I remember this happening as a kid. I see it in my son now. Uh, we have all these, you have all these toys, right? And you think your toys are broken, they're boring, whatever. You kind of get sick of your toys and, and you put them away and you forget about them. And then a friend comes over to your house and the friend find, looks through your toys and finds something they like. And all of a sudden that toy is revived. Like, like all of a sudden that is the coolest toy in your home. And, and then your kids are like, oh my gosh, you can't leave with that toy. Stop playing with that toy. I want that toy back, right? Like other people will kind of help you see the goodness that God has in your life. Jesus had 12 disciples. Man, I would say invite people into your life. Our goal isn't to be people who do loving things. Our goal is not to just like, um, uh, to, to just, you know, have a bunch of stuff like, oh, I'm going to try this today. I'm going to try that today. Our goal is to just be people who love easily. It's not just about doing a bunch of actions to see the grace of God. It's, it's about, man, people who love easily, just like God loves us. People who naturally and joyfully, easily love like God. What a gracious God we serve. Let's be gracious people. Grace isn't about giving your reward away. Grace is about inviting people into the reward that we have in Jesus. Psalms 103.10, I love this verse. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Praise be to God for that. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us our iniquities. There's people who are missing out on the grace of God. Why? 
No one's hired us. I'm out in the marketplace trying to figure out what to do with my life. Just say, invite people in. People will open your eyes to the grace of God. It's a, it's a two-way street, and you'll be able to open their eyes to God's grace in your life just by them being around you. So invite people into your life that's full of God's grace. Not because you have it all figured out, but because the Holy Spirit's in your home. We need to remind ourselves about the grace of God in our life. That's heaven on earth. That God treated us and treats us with unreasonable generosity. Heaven on earth isn't fair. It's generous. Can I pray for you? God, thank you so much for your people. God, I pray for people who are dealing with shame this morning. God, would you lift that shame off them right now? God, I pray for those people who have that, that bitter root that's kind of coming in and it's keeping some, just some nasty stuff in their heart. God, would you help them to deal with that root this morning so that we could be more like you? God, I, I just ask right now that we would have eyes to see your goodness. That God, we would be able to pick up where you're moving and that God, we'd be grateful for it. God, I just pray, just, I just wanna pray right now for our, our relationships, specifically family relationships that are hurting and broken, that there's a fence there. God, we, maybe it's a fence that we caused and we do not deserve to be right with some of these people. God, would your grace be on that right now? God, would you restore families that are hurting and that are frustrated with each other and that are not talking to each other? God, would your, would your grace just come into those situations right now? God, would you heal? Would you mend, Lord God? Would you bring together families that are, that are hurting right now? And God, I pray that for any of us who, who just feel like we do not deserve what we've been given. God, would we be reminded that that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, that we can show up in that last hour and you still bless us. Thank you, God, for your hand on our lives. Thank you, God, for your hand on us as we go back out of this, this Sabbath day of rest and connection with you. God, would you bless us as we go back in and bring people the harvest back to you by who we are through who we are. I just want to pray before we close for anyone um, who's feeling like they're far from God and uh, maybe you've not yet received salvation as the Bible says and all you got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before and you need to kind of come back to that. You, you kind of wandered away. Or maybe you're praying this for the first time today. I want to give you this opportunity to pray. It's so important that we pray this prayer every week because, man, we, we all need an opportunity to come back to God. And we love because He first loved us. He's never turned His back on you, even though you feel like you've turned your back on Him. He's never done that to you. He loves you. He's been chasing after you. And in this moment right now, just like in the Bible says, we can believe in our heart, confess with our mouth. And right then and there, we receive what's called salvation. 
It's a, it's a justification. Just as if our old life never happened, we're made new in him. And we begin the journey of sanctification, of him washing our lives clean. God, just pray right now for anyone who's feeling that. We're gonna pray this prayer right now. Just would your Holy Spirit be with them as they pray this prayer? I'll just ask everybody who calls Celebration Church home to repeat after me. And you can all pray this together in agreement with those who are in the room or online who are praying this prayer for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. Let's pray this. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross for me. I believe that you're my Lord and that God raised you from the dead. And from now on, I live for you. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for everybody who prayed. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our series, Heaven on Earth. If you're wanting to know more about Celebration Church or you would like to partner with us financially, visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Come back next week to hear another great message.